from the Casino del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson, 1490 KFFN AM Tucson, KMXC HD4 Tucson. The views and opinions on this show do not necessarily reflect the views of ESPN Tucson 1490 and 104.9 FM or the Arizona Lotus Corporation. Got car trouble? Now's the time to talk with Jerry on the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719-1490. Well, if you're one of the millions who own one of them gas-drinking, pissing, clanking, air-polluting, smoke-belching, four-wheeled buggies from Detroit City, then pay attention. I'm about to sing your song, son. We did one just yesterday. Uh, by the way, uh, 520-719-1490. Jerry told me I have to give out the number. Otherwise, uh, we're in trouble. Um, anyway, we uh, tow, tow cars that have um, been in flooded in washes and they they uh, get wet. There's There's water in the interior. There's water in the engine. There's water everywhere. Water gets in the intake. Water gets in in the oil system. But when you're when you're working on a car, Brian, how how sensitive are the electrical connections to the water? How, how much how much problems does that cause? Big problems, big problems, and we see it all the time. You know, I always say, test first, don't guess, and don't be code dependent. Just because it has a code for a similar part doesn't mean go replace the part and everything's good. Um, you get back to the water and the intrusion that happens on these connectors, you know, and if the water gets inside, it's going to corrode the little pin connections. I mean, these little connectors, they're like a, like a little needle. They're so small. And if you get as much as a 0.20 voltage drop, you will have a problem. And this is where, you know, you have to get in and you have to do pin-out checks, voltage checks, voltage drop checks to make sure that all these connections are good. And if you get a car that has been submerged in water, these connectors will fill up with moisture and they will become a problem. See it all so the time. Zero point two zero percent. Is that what you said? Zero point two zero. If you get zero point two zero in a voltage drop, that's two tenths of a volt. It will cause a problem. So two tenths of a volt. That's correct. That's that's pretty. That's pretty. Uh, that's not very much. No, it's not. I would think the I would think the connection itself would have that much of a drop in it. No, it doesn't. It's not supposed to. Wow. So the, all the connections that go from the car, starting from the motor to the firewall to the into the computer panels inside, there's there's hundreds of connections, right? They have to be perfect though. Everyone has to be perfect. Every single one. Because I know the car we I did yesterday I was out on a job it was out on Houghton Road the the girl the girl drove out went through the barricades water wasn't that high floated it off the road you know and people have this magical um, capability of telling you oh it's only it's not very bad and Brian I bet you see this every day you know it's really not that bad at all it's it's just a simple thing I think I just need a quarter oil. I, I just need something. I, it has a small oil leak, just a, just a tiny oil leak. I just maybe need a little little. It's going to cost five bucks to fix. You know, people people have this tendency to un, unembellish the the problem. It's okay. We we're not mad at you if it's bad. You know, we just have to be honest with you. 
So, anyways, this car was had had floated off the road, you know, in the water. You know, it was only going to be five feet. Well, you know, it was actually seventy-five feet. Well, it's, it's okay. I can't tell distance. I didn't. I don't know anything about how to how to measure distance by walking three footsteps. I don't know anything about that. So, you know, so we got the car, and water was had receded. Thankfully, drug it out, drug it out of the wash, little tributary wash out there of uh, Hartman and Sarid area. Stuck it, got it back up on the road, and the first thing the guy does is he get he jumps in it, you know, because he's going to start it up. I'm like, whoa, whoa, don't, you know, let's not let's not do that. No, no, it's fine, it'll be just fine. And of course, he turns it on and he tries to start it, and immediately it hydrolocks. So hydrolock means to the public means that there's water in the cylinder and it and it won't start. So he he, he, you can't he did not compress water. Can't compress water. Exactly. Exactly. But he didn't understand that. He had no idea. And so I was trying to explain to him, but I wasn't doing a very good job of how how, how that how that really works. What, what, you're trying to compress the water, but what but what really takes place? Because I was trying to explain to him, and I, I I was very bad at it. I just told him, look, the guy, you're, you have water in your motor, and you need to take it to a shop and get it fixed. So we took it to his house, but I I, I was trying to explain to him. I wasn't doing a very good job. Can you can you help me explain it a little bit better, Brian? Well, I mean, you've got a small space that uh, you know when the valves are closed, it, it is just that. I mean, it, it's a very small space, and if you put water in that space, it's not going to compress. It it will consume the space. And then when the piston comes up to the top, it can't travel all the way to the top because the water is there. And it will stop the piston from traveling to the top. Thus, it's going to break the piston and or break the rod. It's as simple as that. Because so when that argument. piston comes up on the compression stroke, both of those valves are closed. The water went in, but the water can't escape until the piston comes all the way to the top of that compression stroke and then starts to go back down. That is when the exhaust valve is going to start to open, but only after the piston has traveled all the way to the top and then started to go back down. So his argument the, was that the car wasn't running when it went in the water. And I, so normally matter. I would have... That's what I told him. I said, but he, he was trying to understand how the water got in in the motor. And I was like, well, normally if the engine's running it, the the intake sucks it in and it just sucks it right in the intake and there you are. But he was trying. But to, if the he, engine he was, isn't running, you've got you could have one of the cylinders with an intake valve open, and if the water travels into the air cleaner box, up in through the air hose that goes to the throttle body, it's going to bypass the throttle body plate and go into the intake manifold, thus travel into any one of the cylinders that has an intake valve open. Or it could be just hanging out inside of the intake manifold, and when you hit the key, guess what? The motor turns, intake valves open, exhaust valves open, the water's going to go into the cylinder, voila, there you are. That's what I should have been telling him. That makes it a lot more clear. Yeah, so the water, so in reality, the water actually had flooded into the intake, and it was just sitting there. And then when he, waiting. When, he, when he turned the key, we're just waiting, just this, that, and, and, it, and that'll let it rotate the quarter of a turn. And as soon as it rotated, the water ran in like you open, like you open the valve on the hose, just ran right in there, you fill the bucket, and you're done. That's it. That's what I should have been telling him. Okay, that makes it a lot more clear. Hope that makes it clear for everybody else because I was, I was having a tough time with that one, uh, trying to make sure that he. He could he couldn't understand it, and I was trying to explain to him, and I didn't have a good good grasp on that. But also, as after you know, he, the, the, all the lights were on, of course, and there was debris everywhere. I, now we didn't get out and inspect the car that much because you know we're working in the mud trying to trying to get the car out of the ditch, you know. Uh, but um, he, I was telling him that the like you said the connectors would be bad. Now I didn't know that two tenths of a volt would would cause a problem. So that's a that's a huge deal. What about the Yeah, that is a huge deal. I mean, it's like, um, you know, you've got a 12-volt electrical system. And all of a sudden you've got uh, analog brake traction control, 
all these warning lights on. ABS codes can set if if the voltage drops below 12 volts to 11.8, they'll start setting codes. So it's very important that all these connections are good, they're clean. There's a thing called dielectric grease that we like to use on a lot of these connectors. When you submerge a car, you're going to have nothing but problems in the future because the water's going to get into those connectors. It'll just be hanging out in there, and eventually you'll get enough corrosion on the pins inside of the connectors that you're going to have a problem. I had a Duramax diesel that came in here. It had a starting problem. It ended up that, you know, he just bought the vehicle months ago. They steam cleaned the engine, made it all pretty, put all that shiny stuff on it so it just jumped right out from underneath the hood, you know? Well, when they steam cleaned it, yeah, it looked like it was brand new. When they steam cleaned it, they injected water into one of the main engine harness connectors. And there was a bunch of corrosion on one of the pins. Thus, it wasn't sending the proper voltage over to the fuel injection control module. It wouldn't start. And it was very intermittent, so, of course, you know, it was a fun one to diagnose. You know, the, the time when, you, you know, you've got all these symptoms Monday through Thursday, and you take your, sh- your car, truck into the shop on Friday, and it won't duplicate customers' concern. It's our biggest headache that we have. You know, I know that you have the problem because you've made the appointment. You didn't want to come in, but you've made the appointment. You know the problem's there. You bring it to me. Can't duplicate customer's concern. It isn't that we're not looking for the problem. I want to fix it. I know you didn't make it up, but we get it too many times where you can't duplicate customer's concern. And... Like I said to a customer yesterday, you know, it's not doing it right now. I hate to say it, but it'd be nice if it would just break because then I could fix it, you know. And this happens way too often. I can tell you we told them for repetitive complaints. Um, Same thing. It, It starts, it doesn't start. It starts, it doesn't start. And, you know, we'll go – it's funny you say that because we'll actually go out to cars. For example, it's a no-start condition. And the car will be sitting there, and you walk up to it magically, boom, fires right up. Now we drove out there for nothing, and we drive away. And the customer goes, great, my car is fixed. Thank you. And the, But it's not really fixed. It's just that the symptom didn't occur. Five two zero seven one nine fourteen ninety. Five two zero seven one nine fourteen ninety. Let's not forget our sponsors up today, Brian. Um, how about uh, Ina Road Auto Collision? Ina yeah, Road we Auto got Collision. Uh, Spectrum. They are located Spectrum. at forty four twenty five West Ina Road. It's Spectrum Ina Road Auto Collision. They're open Monday through Friday, seven thirty to five thirty. Saturday, eight to twelve. Their phone number is 744-4454. That's a lot of fours. 744-4454. That's Ina Road Auto Collision Spectrum. They do auto detailing. They do restoration of headlights. They do painted pinstriping, window tinning, window stripping, and, of course, paint and restore your car. Good shop. Give them a call, 744-4454. Again, give us a call at 719-1490. That's 719-1490. This is Brian with Automotive Specialist, Mr. Test First Don't Guess, your host today. Along with me is Jim from Frontier Towing. Boy, Jim, you've been around a long time. I remember I've been using you since, oh, man, oh, man, about uh, since about 1993 is when I first started using you. Forever. Just like you, been around, been around for 28 years. I've been there for 28 years, just like you. Yep. You, you see long, them come and go. You've seen the, the, you've seen the different technologies in cars. It used to be, you know, it was uh, throttle body and, uh, excuse me, spark plugs and uh, HEI caps. Points. <laughs> Points. <laughs> you know, In the old gonna... dreaded electronic feedback carburetor, I remember back in the 80s, 
you know, generous motors, they decided they would uh, try and control a computer or computer control a carburetor. Oh, my gosh. What a nightmare those were. You had a quadrajet carburetor with a mixture control solenoid in it, a throttle position sensor, an oxygen sensor, coolant temperature sensor, all these things going back to the computer, and they were trying to control that computer, the carburetor with a computer. Now, they were fine when they worked, (laughs) but... They were. They were. (laughs) But when they didn't, they were a nightmare. And basically back then, you know, you had the computer. You could hook up a computer to the computer, extract a code, get minimal data, much unlike you do today. And then you'd have to go out and pinpoint test, and you'd have to know the values of all these sensors in your mind because you had no real data like you have today. So that was for the – I'm glad those days are gone. I'm, that's all I'm going to say. I, I, remember the, I remember the electronic carburetors. I remember the – Ford had the – uh, variable Venturi. Oh, that yes. was a that was a that was a <laughs> a true joy. Ford's idea at, at um, metering uh, fuel in a in a very specific way. Anyways, you're right. That was that's um, you know that's um, very interesting that you say that because people don't understand how how much how much talent it actually took. So you know I hadn't even thought about that, but. So when you're testing today, because you're, you're the pro at testing, what um, how 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 much information do you get out of the computer? Uh, is it, I mean, do you get a sizable amount? I mean, I know you say don't rely on the one code, but do you I mean, do you get? Does it help you through? Does it help you through a lot, or does it? Is it just? There is so much data available to us right now today in these vehicles. I I mean, it's it's just unbelievable. <clears throat> Unbelievable how many, all the data that comes through these computers right now, I mean, everything's on a laptop now. Um, You know, you have to have OEM software. Uh, You can access every module in the vehicle, you know, where you've got engine control modules, you've got anti-lock brake modules, you've got seat modules, you've got door modules, you've got uh, ABS modules, traction control, you've got... HVAC modules, I mean, I can go on and on and on. You're driving a computer with wheels. And again, like I said, all these things are susceptible to voltage. They need to have it in the proper amount. So when that little check engine light comes on, because inevitably does, for whatever reason, it might come on for a second and go off, or it might come on for five minutes. It might come on and stay on. When, when When you see those... I mean, you plug in. Does it? Does the computer? The the diagnostics that come out of the computer? Does it help walk you through it, or does it? Do you just kind of? You have to. Ha- you have to have the OEM software for it to, to to help diagnose for you. Well, it's a process. I mean, a lot of people think that you know, just because the check engine light came on, it's going to give you a code, and you go buy the part and put the part on, and the you know troubles are over and. That's not the way it works. Again, I call that being code-dependent because it's not always the part. More often, it's the connection or the wire. Um, You know, the wire was chewed into by a pack rat or the wire was exposed to an oil leak and it deteriorated the the insulation that was on the wire, now the wire's bare and it's touching another wire. Um, And then you've got a problem with the circuit, you know, shorted to ground, shorted to power. Um, That happens a lot. Um, You know, more often it's an electrical problem than it is actually the part. You know, like I say, there's too many computers replaced. Uh, You know, everybody says, well, I need a new computer. I beg to differ. You know, I have not replaced a lot of computers not not in this time era 
back in the day, back in the 80s, 90s, especially with General Motors, there was a lot of computer problems, but not today. So, I mean, this is where it comes. You have to process the data out of the computer, know what the voltage values are supposed to be, and be able to analyze that to go and pinpoint test this thing out. It's a whole process. There's more to it than just plug it in, getting a code, and going buying a part. So the, when when the guy when the guy because I have a scan tool, and I and I look at I look at codes, but I don't look at them that hard because I, I, I don't know what I'm looking at anymore. I used to know, but I I don't have a clue. I used to have a sun machine and did it years ago, but man, that time's gone. I took I took cars for a living. I don't have to fix them. I get the easy part. My job is to bring them from point A to point B. That's all I got to do. If it's broke, if it's broke down your driveway, or broke down the middle of the road, all I got to do is pick it up, take it to shop, and say, "Hey, my transport job is over with. My headache's done. <laughs> On to the next guy." <laughs> here, here, Brian. Here you go. I brought you a present. Enjoy. <laughs> then now your headache starts. But yep. uh, <laughs> the uh, the um, when when uh, so when you when somebody puts out a code reader. And they and they look for the code. Is that does that even give them a basis to start with, or is that just a complete waste of time? That's only a starting point. You know, like I've always said, with you know, you've got oxygen sensors. Everybody seems to think you got when you get an oxygen sensor code. Go buy a new one and put it in, and it'll fix it. Right? Wrong. There's 21 reasons. They cause an oxygen sensor code. And there's only one of the 21 that mean go replace that sensor, okay? The most common oxygen sensor code is a lean code, which is a P0171 and 174. That's lean bank one, lean bank two. Now, what does this really mean? Does it mean that the oxygen sensor failed? Well, let's dig deeper into this. The reason it says it's lean is because the oxygen sensor is doing just that. It's reading lean. The oxygen sensor works on a one-volt scale. One volt. You have a 12-volt charging er, car, but the oxygen sensor reads on a one-volt scale. In a perfect world, it runs from zero to zero, that's two-tenths of a volt, to zero, eight-zero, which is eight-tenths of a volt. The oxygen sensor is supposed to sweep, meaning it goes, the voltage changes from approximately 0.2 to 0.8, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Rich lean, rich lean, rich lean. What's happened is, is the computer seen that that voltage voltage on the oxygen sensor is stayed lean and stayed lean for too long and is not switching. Does that mean that the oxygen sensor failed? Maybe, but most likely not. Usually what happens there is you have a vacuum leak or what I call unmetered air going into the engine. Now where where and how can this happen? Well, most likely thing on a Ford, on a Ford truck, you've got a positive crankcase ventilation rubber hose that has a hole in it because it's been exposed to the oily mist that it's supposed to pull out of the valve cover and back into the engine. And it's deteriorated the rubber, and now it's got a hole in it, and it's a great big vacuum leak. In other cases... The uh, rubber hose that goes from the air cleaner box to the throttle body could be cracked after the mass airflow sensor. So now the mass airflow sensor isn't reading the amount of air that's going into the motor correctly because it has a vacuum leak after it. Another thing that can cause that oxygen sensor code would be the intake manifold gasket's leaking, which we see this a lot, too. And you got a plastic intake manifold with rubber gaskets underneath it 
bolted down to the cylinder heads. These things are very low-torqued parts because they're plastic. You have the rubber gaskets that are exposed to heat constantly. I mean, the motor's running at, what, 220? Almost all the time. And that rubber gasket can't take it. After years and years, that rubber gasket shrinks, and voila, you've got a vacuum leak at the intake manifold. That's unmetered air going into the motor. doesn't mean go buy an oxygen sensor. It means fix the darn air leak, vacuum leak. You know, so, again, don't be codependent. Test first, don't guess. Find out the real cause as to what this thing is doing. So you said something there about the about vacuum hoses, you know, and it hadn't occurred to me. You're right; the engine runs at 200, 220 degrees underneath the hood. That, have, uh, just a quick question: Have you always worked in Tucson, or have you did you work someplace else? Well, I started in Minnesota. Uh, my father had a tractor and car dealership, and. From the time I was about big enough to stand up and walk around to my teenage years, I was always at that car dealership following my father around, watching what he was doing. He pretty much taught me, you know, got me going into what I'm doing right now. After that, you know, of course, there was vocational schools and constant training that we're signed up for, which we sign up for a year in advance just to stay on top of all this. The uh, the amount of studying and, and different things that we have to do today to stay on top of these co- computers with wheels is just unbelievable. Oh, I know. It's, I know the, the software is horribly expensive. And I know the – and the OEMs don't give you that much help. But, uh, yeah, I know the training is in, highly intense. But uh, the – so do you – since you're working on cars, how how much does the Arizona heat and the dry humidity affect those vacuum lines and the and the plastics? You're talking about the warp. Is it better like in the northeast or in the northwest where there's more humidity or the temperatures are slightly less? Does it matter? Does it help? Well, you've got the heat down here. You know the expansion and contraction of the metals and the plastics. Yeah, that's a huge problem. Um, the cold, not quite as much of a problem, but then you've got the salt and the snow and the moisture, and, and and you've got a totally different problem like back in Minnesota. So, you know, which one's worse? They're both bad. <laughs> They're both a huge problem. Well, because well, Jerry's out right gallivanting around right now, leaving us in charge, which um, so he, he's out in Virginia, I think. I'm just curious to know if he's going to have an uh, issue with his vehicle. I don't even know what he took. I don't know if he took his Dodge truck or if he took a, a motorhome. Maybe he may have taken his fifth wheel is what he probably took. But I figure he's going to, you know, if his, if he ran his truck from Tucson, Arizona, which has a dry heat, up to uh, Virginia where it has a, a, you know, where it's humid and wet and, and, and uh, probably not salty this time of year, but, you know, probably um, – some of the conditions where he might be, he might, his truck might experience some whole new ex- life experiences, and now he has a new breakdown problem. Because I'd like to hear that one. I'd love to hear if Jerry broke down out there in the middle of Virginia someplace. But, yeah, that'd be something. Again, you can call in on 719-1490. That's 719-1490. This is Brian from Automotive Specialist. Along with me is Jim Mooney from Frontier Towing. Give us a call, 719-1490. Uh, let's not forget our other guys that, that help us out during the during the uh, show. How about, um, how about Lynn's Auto Broker or Parker Automotive? We got Lynn's Auto Brokers. They're at 2101 North Stone Avenue. Their phone number is 628-7500. They've got credit union financing available, extended warranties available. One of the largest selection of quality pre-owned vehicles, foreign, domestic, autos, minivans, mini trucks, full-size trucks, mid-size diesels, Jeeps, and they've also got RVs at times. Uh, Brian says over at Lynn's Auto Brokers, if we don't have what you're looking for, we'll go find it. 
Their goal is excellent client service. They're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 7, Saturday, 8 to 4, or when the last friend leaves. If you're looking for a particular new vehicle, Lens is a broker and most likely can save you some money. Lens Auto, again, is located at 2101 North Stone Avenue. Their phone number, 628-7500. Tell them Simmons sent you. Is that a Back good thing? to the cars. Is, 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 would that, would, was that a good thing? Tell them Jerry Simmons sent you. Is that like one of those things you go, no? <laughs> Probably a good thing. Probably a good thing. <laughs> Probably a good thing. No, not Jerry. Um, so, hey, so, okay, so now we got all this rain here in Arizona. Um, how about... Uh, yeah, and it's pouring about, over here right now. Is it pouring? Now at the shop, it's dry. There's no, there's no, there's no rain. It's, I can say it's slightly. There's a, there's a couple of drops down there on the south side of town. So the weather report, sorry, Alan Case, I'm taking your job today. The traffic's good, and, there's, and the rain is light. On the north side, it's different. Yeah, north side but, uh, is different. There's no traffic and lots of water. No, so when when we're driving, when we're because now because okay now we've got these cars that so we're driving, we're driving on our computer on wheels, and imagine you would not take your phone out and drive it through the wash. You wouldn't take your laptop off and 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 submerge it in the wash or your desktop computer. But we're driving a computer, and hopefully, um, it, it it's pretty well sealed up. But Driving through all this water, what about the how much how much effect does it have on like the the suspension? And the you talk about ABS, you know, so there's sensors in the wheels. There's there's crud that's floating around out on the street. We're driving through it. We're driving through unknown. We're driving through water that we can't see. There's you can't. I don't care how how much X-ray vision you think you have. You cannot see through the water. You don't know, have any idea what's what's one millimeter below the top surface of that water. I guarantee it. Well, there's a lot of truth in that. You don't know if the road has been eroded out. You know, is the pavement still there underneath all that water? Or is there a hole there about a foot to three foot deep? You know, exactly. you don't know. You have no idea, you know, how long that water has been running across that asphalt. Did it take the asphalt out? Well, that'd be a problem. You know, you drive into the water and bam, you're stopped right then and there, you know, and it's over. I, I've seen these vehicles. Uh, I had a vehicle that someone decided they were going to drive through the, what is it? Hey, Chris. Good morning, Chris. How you doing? Second and cold. Having McDonald's coffee. I had a I had a question. Uh, I got a. I'm getting uh, feedback on my call. Yeah. I'm getting an echo. You Are want you to call back then, Chris? Yeah, let me call back because I am. I'm getting extreme echo when I talk. Okay, give us a call right back, Chris. It's the rain. It's the rain. Andrew Andrew hasn't got the phones right. It's the rain. The rain has, has – we're going to blame the rain on this because we haven't had any in so long that we have to have something that we're going to attack. It's the rain. The rain is causing our problems today. The rain, the rain. <laughs> but while no, we're right, waiting so, for – Yeah, go ahead. While we're waiting for Chris, um, you know, back to the automobiles and the things and prop, Chris is back. Okay, sir, let's try this again. Morning, Chris. Morning. Is that better? Yeah. Okay, so I have a 2006 Chevy Aveo LT that I use as a work vehicle, and I'm having issues where at high, at uh, in overdrive at around 2,000 RPM, my engine will stumble. And my check engine light will start flashing. So I pull it over, start it again, and it won't do it. I pulled the code. It comes up as a general misfire. But it only wants to do this in overdrive at low RPM. The engine will stumble, and then the check engine light will flash. Other than that, it runs fine. 
Now I have found that I can. It has a hold button on the trans on the auto that it can turn into a three speed, where it locks it into one, two, three. And I found that if I'm running in third gear at three thousand RPMs, it won't do it. But if I go up into overdrive and it kicks down to two thousand, it'll stumble, and the check engine light will start flashing. It, it, do you think this could be a connect? Because I heard you talking about connectors. Do you think that could be a connector issue, or because I'm just at wit's end with it? I would be leaning on a connection problem. Um, you know, again, like I say, there's a lot of data in the computer. I'd have to get hooked up to this thing to, you know, and process what all these values are in the computer to, you know, try and figure this out. Um, you know, I'd get back to the, go back to the simple things, though. I would pull a spark plug out, take a look at it, uh, see what condition those are in. Um, that could now, be a possibility. Good. They're good. Those are good? Yep. And I put new wires on it, too. All right, and so it we did, got some... But it, 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 it just seems to want to do this at about 2,000 RPM at high speed and overdrive. It does, it does not like it. And it will stumble and act like it's not getting gas, and then it will kick back in, and that check engine light will start flashing. Well, again, I'd have to get this one into the shop, you know, uh, possibly go in and look at the Mode 6 data that's in there to uh -huh. see, you know, while I'm driving it, have the laptop in the car and uh -huh. monitor the cylinders to see, you know, which cylinder or you said you had multiple random cylinder misfires, which is a code P0300 yep. um, random cylinder yep. misfire. And, uh, you know, but there is data in there where I can see each cylinder and possibly figure out, you know, is it more so on this one or that one? You know, which one is it, you know, really doing? And then I go back to the simple things again. You know, mm -hmm. let's say it has a more so of a misfire on cylinder number two than it does on cylinder number three. Go to the simple things. Move the coil mm -hmm. from number three to number two, from number two to number three. But See you're dead there. on with the voltage because I, 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 unfortunately, I tried to get the most out of a battery here. And yeah. when I put the new battery in, it actually ran better, it idled better. So you're correct on the, the voltage with these things. And could I ask just a follow-up question? Yeah. Now, I told you about using, it's got the little hold button on it to where it defeats the transmission and you can run it, you know, for traction control, going up hills, snow. Yep. Um, am I, is it okay for me to run it like that? With the well, hold button get... on and generally it's just a, a little automatic little three-speed? Is that other than the Your gas fuel mileage hit? will decrease. Yeah. Okay, but it seems to like that 3,000 RPM over the 2,000 as far as the check engine light. And I know I'm just managing managing an issue and trying, you know, like a tourniquet. And I know you hate that, but <laughs> it is my beater work car. And I did call in a long time ago about a Geo Metro that I had, but unfortunately oh that's gone. But I just buy these little beater cars for like 1,000, 1,500 and just run the run the wheels off of them and they right. they actually hold up pretty good they're actually pretty they're pretty amazing for the abuse i put them through and i know i shouldn't but um I'll, i call in periodically just for stuff like this and yeah, i appreciate I your help you yeah bet. you remember <laughs> i'm the check engine light guy so but uh i'll just uh maybe someday we'll meet in person sir well just come over and you know bring your car in, you could just come over and say hello. We lose Chris there? I think he's gone. I think so. We'll blame that on the rain. It's the rain today. So, you know, yeah, we got uh, a little... Brian, you... Go ahead. You you uh you mentioned something there while you're talking with Chris. Um um about uh, road testing, do you have to do that a lot? Do you have to like, throw a laptop in the in the in the seat with you and and go drive around? Yes, a lot of times. I mean, 
you know, you can bring the car, you know, customer brings car to the shop. It isn't a process of just hopping in that car and driving it into the shop. You have to duplicate customer's concern. And a lot of times the car has to be driven more so than not. And when we drive them, you know, there's just too much to mentally process. It's not like the 70s and 80s. It's There's so much data there. You plug in that laptop, you go take off and drive, and you can sit there and record all things that are going on while you're driving and play them back, which is really cool. And, yeah, I mean, because it's not always, you know, the car doesn't always have the problem when it's just sitting here running, idling. You know, you have to take them out and drive them. And I like to, you know, duplicate customers' concern. I'm evidence-based diagnostics. It's the only way that you can fix the car properly. So do you? So when when the customer comes in, I know it's you know what well, it it's got this little squeaky noise, and they try to duplicate the squeaky noise. Do you uh, do you have to? Do you often take the customer with you for a test drive to make sure that that's what we're looking at? Or, I mean, because it could be a bearing. Like so for example, because you do all kinds of work on all kinds of vehicles. So you know, if somebody has a noise in their transmission, or they have a wheel bearing, a front wheel bearing noise. Um, you could drive it in the parking lot and say, oh, yeah, there's the bearing noise. You know, if they're driving the car, you could listen to it. But um, do you have to take them with you to to, have, to make them duplicate it, or how long? At times we do, absolutely. <clears throat> you know, I mean, the customer knows their car. They know the sounds that it makes. We don't drive their car all the time, so we don't know what is and what isn't. And there are times where, well, I'll take the customer along with me and say, you drive the car. You point out this noise. Get us to that point where we can help you faster, which is really cool. And when you get the customer involved with you like that, it, it becomes, it, it's more of a personal thing, you know. And they, they know that we're truly concerned about what's going on with their concern. So yeah, it's a good thing to take the customer with you. I mean, because there's, a, lo- to a, lot of, there's, a, there's lot a lot of there's a lot of noises right. that a car can make. You know, I mean, there's rotating noises, which are usually a bearing. Um, you know, there's squeaks. There's all kinds of different things that can happen. You know, does does the noise happen when you make a turn, when you go over a speed bump? You know, on acceleration, deceleration. There's just so many different things. That the car can do, right? And and just like the previous caller, Chris said seven one nine fourteen ninety. Everybody, if you want to call in five two zero seven one nine fourteen ninety. And what Chris was saying is that you know he he beats these cars into an oblivion. Well, okay, and yeah, I see that a lot. Um, but he, there may be he may be having this check engine light, but the the back the hatch may be rattling to death, and he's like, yeah, forget about that. I don't care about that. I don't want to spend money on that part. I want to spend money on th- just this one little this one little issue, and everything else, the 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 window noise, or the window doesn't go up and down, or the window's taped up with duct tape. I don't care about that. I just care about this one little check engine light. Can you help me with that? So I'm sure that when you have a customer with you, there's all kinds of things you hear, and you're just like, yeah. Um, did you hear about the bearing noise in the back? No, I don't care about that. I don't care. Just let me. Just help me with the little light thing. I want the light thing fixed. I'm sure you see a bunch of that too. <laughs> yes, we do. <clears throat> yes, and there are times where there's so many things wrong with the car. I mean, just yesterday I advised the customer that, hey, look, this thing's going to need a ton of repairs. It's got 200,000 miles on it. It might be time for a different automobile because it just doesn't make sense to do all of these repairs. You know, and I'm just trying to help him out. Yes, we're we're in the business of repairing automobiles, right? Parts, labor, we fix them. But in some cases, I look at that car and I say to myself, self, would you honestly put that much money into that automobile? And when I come to that part, there are times where I'll tell the customer it might be a good idea not to fix it, to be quite honest. I mean, 
But then again, you know, today, it's different times today. I see people putting more money into their automobiles than I've ever seen in the past. They're doing huge repairs. Engines, transmissions, you know, full-blown suspension repairs are, are being done to the tune of thousands of dollars. And the reply is, a new vehicle is extremely expensive. And I don't want to have, you know, car payments for the next five, six years. They'd rather, I had one customer come in here. He says, yeah, I'm going to repair my car. It's going to be $2,500. I'm going to go to the credit union and get a loan for 12 months and fix it. He said, I'd rather have a loan for 12 months than I would for five years. And I like the car. That's the key. If you like your car, fix it. Yeah, I, I, we we see people that have the... Well, first off, there are no cars available today. Or very limited, I should say. I had the customer in the truck, and we were towing his his, his vehicle... Uh, his work truck, and he was explaining to me how he he traded in his 2016 Toyota Tacoma with 100,000 miles on a used Chevy uh, three-quarter ton pickup truck, uh, 2020. They gave him $20,000 for his for his Toyota pickup truck, and the out-the-door cost for a used Chevy truck. With twenty thousand miles on it, was sixty five thousand dollars. Now, sixty five grand is a lot of money for, in my opinion, for on anything. And trucks that Duramax trucks or Ford trucks of Super Duties are all in that price range. New, but if you can't buy one, I guess it's okay. But we see a lot of people who are just like, yeah, I don't want $65,000 payment. You're not talking, you're talking about $1,500 a month for seven years. It's like a, it's like an old house payment. I don't yeah. even think I spent that much in my first house. You know, so, I, my wife said I needed a new truck back in uh, 2004. So we went down to the dealership, and yeah, I ended up leaving with a new Duramax diesel crew cab. 2500 HD. That truck was like $47,000 with my GM employee discount. And it took five years to pay for it. I hated that payment. Insane. 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 Yeah, and, and that's what people are at today. They don't want that payment. It's, 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 so, it's so expensive. I'd rather... and. Current generations don't even they they don't want even want that materialistic item. I run across a bunch of younger people, you know, who who don't even have no desire to have a car that expensive. They they would just as soon have a thousand dollar car and go on a trip versus having a having a uh, you know a brand new car. They don't they just don't buy them. They're That's not right. interested in having. They they want a new, they want a a cheap little used car, uh, but again, they want to complain about it <laughs> that it broke down. But you know, hey, we all do that. So, uh, right. but yeah, they don't they don't want they don't want a new that new cost. They want and they want a regular. They want a what uh, just a, a car. They, they're not even brand specific anymore. They're just they look at a little car like it's. Like it's you know if Amazon sold them they they would be the happiest on the planet if Amazon could deliver you a car like Carvana does they'd be the happiest on the planet uh, I don't know how how that process works I mean I kind of know how it works but I I don't understand the thought process of buying a car without looking at it before you buy it but hey apparently it's the new it's the new norm so right um, but yeah they right. don't want that they don't want that that huge payment they can't wrap their head around that. Yeah. Well, that's like with our Ford F-150 that my wife has. You know, I that vehicle, it came in the shop here. A customer brought it in, and the uh, timing chains blew up in it. It was that 5.4 Triton. Anyway, the customer didn't want to fix it, so he ended up saying, hey, you know, if you waive the diagnostic costs, I'll give you the title for it. I says, that's fine. 
good-looking truck, new body style, a Ford F-150 Lariat, true cab, you know, fully loaded. Good truck, except for the boater. So it's sitting here and sitting here and sitting here, and my wife comes down after months, and she says, why don't you fix that truck? It's been here forever. I says, well, we own it. She goes, well, gosh, that's a good-looking truck. Uh, what's the matter? I says, well, it needs a motor. I says, if you want, if you want to drive it, if you think you'll like it, I'll fix it. So I replaced everything underneath the hood except the power steering pump and the steering gear. Everything under the hood was replaced. Wow. I mean everything. And then I put new rotors all the way around it, new brakes, new tires, new shocks front and rear. I went into the interior, and I found a place in Texas where you can buy the the seat leathers. I replaced the lower seat foam on the driver's side, the lower leather, the upper leather, and the passenger lower leather. I had the rest of the truck detailed. Basically, I have a brand-new 2004 Lariat Ford F-150 crew cab for less than ten grand. That's parts and or labor. A new Lariat today is probably around $70,000. At least. Oh, a used truck. That used truck is probably ten grand. Yeah. And not in and, and not that good of condition. With a, a and running plus, truck you know, with, I've got a warranty on the motor for three years, 100,000 miles. And, and you know the guy that did the install, so, you know, if something goes wrong, she can go back to him and explain to him that this is not right and he's going to fix it at no charge. That's yep. a powerful that's a powerful uh, leverage to have over the mechanic. <laughs> I know I have that same problem at home. <laughs> right. But no, I mean it turned out to be a really good truck. The only thing I don't like about it is it gets horrible gas mileage. But other than that, it's paid for. I do not have any payments on. It. Right. You know. It's a 5/4. They're not gas efficient vehicles. But hey, they run good. But I mean, the timing chain issue is a common thing. I've seen it a bunch. And, and yeah, it's pretty disastrous when it happens. Yeah, it takes things out. I've seen it far too often on that 5.4 Triton. And there's no, and there's no, there's no uh, fix to it. There's no, there's no real maintenance that you can do for that, other than just at 150,000 miles, tear it apart and replace it, right? There's there's nothing yeah. you can do to... Well, that was the conversation that I had with the guy on the F-150 just yesterday. You know, I could hear the timing chains when the thing first started. You know, the uh, tensioners were bleeding down to keep the t- uh, chains tight, and it was making all kind of rattle, clatter noises when you first started it. And, you know, I said, look, this thing's going to need chains, and it's going to need chains, it's going to need guides, tensioners, cam phasers, and cam actuators. And you're talking a bill over two grand. It's a lot of work. You've got to deface the whole front of the motor. So, But, again, on that 5.4, boy, you've got to stay up on your oil changes on that. Do not go with extended oil changes on that. Like, get it changed every 3,000 miles, not five, not six. Again, you can call in at 719-1490. That's 719-1490. We're coming up at the top of the hour here. How much time we got left there, Andrew? About 20 seconds. Again, you can call in 719-1490. This is Brian from Automotive Specialist. You can reach me at my office at 572-1734. That's 572-1734. We're located at 3611 West Ina Road. That's Automotive Specialist. Mr. Test First, Don't Guess. You can also... Frontier Towing.
From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. 1490 KFFN AM Tucson, KMXC HD4 Tucson. Wrangler, CJ's, Cherokees, Grand Cherokees. Hi, I'm Jerry Simmons of Simmons 4 Before Automotive Service Center. If you're a Jeep owner, we speak your language. We've been maintaining Jeeps since 1974. Broken drive shafts, death wobbles, transfer cases, four-wheel drives that don't work proper. Been there, done that, and got the T-shirt. Before you head out to the desert again, let the Jeep pros at Simmons 4 Before Automotive Service Center check it out. 884-0217. We've been jeeping it since 1974. Simmons 4 Before Automotive Service Center has been serving Tucson and Southern Arizona since 1974. We service and repair Dad's 4 Before, including light diesels, Mom's Cadillac, and Junior's Hot Rod. We believe in evidence-based diagnostics. Find it, then fix it. Today's vehicles are primarily controlled by onboard computers. They control everything from ride quality to engine and transmission performance. What they don't control is proper maintenance. That's up to you. Call us at Simmons 884-0217 or visit our website at Simmons. AutoRepair.com. The views and opinions on this show do not necessarily reflect the views of ESPN Tucson 1490 and 104.9 FM or the Arizona Lotus Corporation. Got car trouble? Now's the time to talk with Jerry on the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719-1490. Drinking, piston, clanking, air polluting, smoke belching, four wheel buggies from Detroit City. Then pay attention. I'm about to sing your song, son. Welcome back to the Simmons Park Show on 104.9 FM.